This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. TL Talk Radio, Season 4, Episode 35. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 35 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziganfus, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfus. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Today we're speaking with Jennifer Casatod. Jennifer is a teacher librarian in Aurora, Ontario, Canada, and the author of the book Social Media. Before her current position, she spent six years at the district level as a program resource teacher and literacy consultant, respectively. She's a lifelong learner presently studying at the University of Ontario Institute of Technology, focusing on social media and digital citizenship in education. She is also a GEG Ontario leader, teacher advisor for the on-ed student chat, and the lead organizer for the Digital Citizenship Summit in Canada, taking place in the fall of 2018. So welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We are very excited to speak about this uh, very interesting topic, especially for those people um, who are interested in transforming education. So how do we use social media? So let's dive in and start the conversation, learning a little bit more about social media and what is student digital leadership how did it become an important focus of yours? And why is your book an important resource for those of us who are working to reimagine education? Okay, well, I think I'll start with the question why it's an important focus of, of mine, um, because I think chronologically that makes more sense. Um, a couple of years ago, my daughter was asked at a job interview, what social media are you on? And what will I learn about you if I go there? And when she had very little to say, I had a hard look at why. Um, and, and here's the thing. So as a mom, I had been uh, very mindful of all the negative things that we know about social media. Um, and I made sure that my kids were safe and I was monitoring their use. And I made sure that if they were interested in pursuing anything, their passions or anything on social media, that I actually 
squashed it. <laughs> um, and which is kind of ironic because I was in a district role where I was teaching teachers how to connect on Twitter and how transformational that could be to your classroom. And so there were these two sort of opposing realities, one as a mom and one as a literacy consultant. Um, and so I, I really did some soul searching and thinking about that. And then shortly thereafter, I met George Kuros, who has now become a, a really good friend of mine and mentor. Um, but he talked about uh, digital leadership, actually, and it's his definition that I borrow in the book. He defines it as using the vast reach of technology, especially social media, to improve the lives, well-being, and circumstances of others. And I had never heard of it um, explained in that way. So I was so intent on what my kids couldn't do. And I think even as a, you know, a, someone in a district leadership role, I was concerned with what kids couldn't do. But what I didn't do is focus on what they could do. And digital leadership, really, that definition opened up for me possibilities that I had never thought of before. And so when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I know William Dwyer says that. And for me, that was absolutely true. So I started to find kids um, who were had adult mentors in their lives who were actually using social media strategically and positively um, and in ways that I think were so uh, uh, different from the norm. And I thought, wow, why don't we have more students who are like this? Why don't we encourage and mentor our children more towards the positive side, side of things? Um, and, and really, that's, that's what, where it started for me. I don't think social media is going away anytime soon. And when I started to see all this really positive use, I thought what we need to do is change the current trajectory of where things are going with social media. And, and really that's what the book is. Um, social media shares the stories of kids who are using social media for their future, um, who are leading by example, using it to spread positivity um, and, and just, just, ensuring that it's a very, very positive place. So I make sure not to speak for the voices of kids. There are student vignettes in there. And then you'll see lots of different examples of students who are doing it right um, and who are leading by example. And I think we, we just need to know about them. And for me, it was important to shine a light on them. So in education, we talk a lot about mindsets and um, those who are trying to shift and change education, shifting and changing those mindsets. So this idea of shifting our mindset around how our learners are using social media for learning and for doing good in the world, as you mentioned in your definition there. Mm -hmm. So the first section of your book discusses the why of digital leadership. You know, why does it matter? Why is it important to shift from digital citizenship uh, to digital leadership? Can you talk to us about maybe a few ideas related to the importance of the digital leadership? Absolutely. So like it or not, we live in a world where employers and others Google you. I mean, we've mm -hmm. talked about that. I worked in a, a class today with students in a careers class, and that's certainly we had a great conversation around that. And while I agree that teaching kids how to be ethical and responsible online, including being mindful of copyright and all of those things, is super important, what it actually doesn't do is help kids to stand out online. And so I have seen a, an incredible discrepancy. Um, so I'll, I'll share an example. A of two students, I call it. Um, one student, his name is Aiden Aird, and I 
showcase him in the book. Mm -hmm. He created a website called developinginnovations.org. And he did that because he recognized that he was inventing. He was a, he's a, calls himself a science geek, um, but he's really passionate about STEM and inventing. And so he started to realize that his invent, he was creating, um, you know, a, a cook stove that works on biomass that he thinks could solve one of the world's problems. And he was meeting these other kids who were creating inventions that would also solve the world's problems. But when you Googled them, you didn't even, they, you didn't even know they existed. So he creates a website for the sole purpose of celebrating these kids and making sure the world knows about them. Like how counter cultural is that? Um, and, and he talks about um, afterwards how he just decided that this was important to him. He Googled himself and his eight-year-old hockey stats came up instead of some mm -hmm. of his achievements. Um, and he shared, you know, I invited him to an ed camp and he was a keynote for us. And he talks about how Twitter had opened up so many opportunities for him when he got on there um, and that he had just received a scholarship as a result of a connection that he had made on Twitter. And then you have that um, juxtaposed with a student at my own school last year, also an incredible leader, super smart, um, going into business and just the kind of kid that everyone wanted to be around. Like just, he's just a, just a great kid. And, and yet when you looked at him online, he literally looked like a thug. And, and I knew that because I was running the social media account. And, and you know, when I'm like warring with myself, I said, do I, talk to like what do I say to him do I don't I do I don't I finally I said <laughs> you know you're you're an incredible leader and you have so many gifts and talents but those are not the things that I see when I look at you online and I said you know I can certainly help you um you know create a digital portfolio or create a more positive digital presence and he said miss that would be great because I wouldn't even know where to start and that to me is such a tragedy that we have kids right now who have adult mentors who are helping them to seek the affordances and opportunities that the, you know, that our world has to offer and social media has to offer and some kids who have no idea. And to me, when, when I talk about digital access or digital equity, I see how we're using social media to be as important an issue as whether or not we have access here in North America mm -hmm. anyway. So I'm making a connection to you, sort of that internal conflict of do you say, don't you say it? And I wonder how many times do teachers and, and we as leaders feel like we're not sure what to say, so we don't say anything. Whereas, you know, in that case, we're probably underestimating the power and the, and the um, thought process of our learners. And if we put it on the table, they're probably going to impress us with some conversation. Um, so. Absolutely. But not just that, like we have would have no qualms whatsoever about complimenting or celebrating kids when we see them doing great things in real life. It's too bad that we don't feel like we can do the same thing mm -hmm. um, and celebrate them when they're doing really cool things online. Mm -hmm. Because I think that if we did that more often, we would see more kids doing cool mm -hmm. things online or great things online. Right. And we have to give ourselves sort of the permission to do that and to encourage ourselves to really... Um, move past digital citizenship, which is what you're saying in your book. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I really love about your book are, are those learner profiles, so to speak, and how they're using social media um, in a leadership 
kind of role, making a difference. Um, and you've given us some examples here already. Are there other favorite examples or, or other stories that you could tell that could help our listeners um, really understand the value and the importance of learners pushing into this realm of using social media in this way? I think that, um, like, certainly I, I talk lots about kids and, and you can check out their profiles. And I have a list called Kids Who Inspire on Twitter, too. Um, but what I really love um, to look at is the teachers who have class social media accounts who and I'm not talking about teacher, a teacher account where you're sort of sharing and celebrating your student work necessarily. I'm genuinely talking about a class social media account where the kids create the profile, they decide on what's being posted, they have conversations about what should be private and what shouldn't be private. Um, they take it upon themselves to celebrate what they see, reflect on their learning. Um, and, and to me, this is the coolest thing because I think that in the hands of a really good teacher mentor, um, our students can learn so much uh, real world leadership. Um, and that leadership is online and offline, right? So so what does that look like when we when we have a you know a social media tweeter of the day and an Instagrammer of the day or those a Snapchatter of the day like you see Kayla Delzer have. Um, you know one of her students who I feature in the book, his name is Ryan, in grade three he talks about how he wants to be proud of his social media accounts. Mm. I think that is just so cool. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I think that too, there's an opportunity to focus on quality connections. Like who are these people behind the screens that our class is connected with? Things that we sometimes don't get. The kids go, don't see on their own, right? Um, they value likes, you know, how do we help them not value mm -hmm. likes? So that to me is super, super important. Um, in the book, I share about the AMDSB Twitter chat. Um, and, and that's an opportunity for kids to use Twitter to chat with one another about a variety of issues and I'm, I'm so fortunate because Lee Castle on um, the person I showcase in the book who does that we got together with a group of a couple of other teachers and an incredible student panel and what we are doing is we're actually using that same model um, to have a monthly Twitter chat um, we use a tweet and talk uh, kind of model where we have a panel on Google Hangouts we invite different guests to come in and, and be go um, uh, you know, to provide their perspective. Mm -hmm. And then we have students who are on panel who are discussing issues. So last week, it, uh, last month, rather, it was uh, communication. And then this month, we're talking about earth uh, sustainability and the earth and the sustainable development goals. And I think it's such a cool way. Um, cool is not the right word. I think it's such an impactful and powerful way to show kids that they can use social media differently than the way they're currently using it now, which is just for entertainment. And it's been such a positive experience for us. We're blown away by the perspectives of, that the kids are sharing. We're blown away by the fact that, you know, we talked with the kids about, and what should some of our norms be? And they're like, well, we think that, you know, we have to make sure that everyone on here is, they may um, not agree with someone's opinion, but they definitely want to make sure that they respect one another. So the norms are, uh, very evident at the beginning. The kids share them. We've never had a problem with anything negative happening. And we've just learned so much from each other. And I think that's certainly a, a powerful example of right now, how there are kids leading the way in terms of how they're using Twitter in such a similar way. I mean, look at Twitter 
and educators. Are you both on Twitter? Absolutely. Right? And we have this incredible PLN that we've developed. And I know that I can reach out at any moment to any of them. And kids don't get that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't see that world. Because for some reason, we don't show them that world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the right stranger online can be transformational. We have to make sure they're wary of strangers. But we also have to remember um, that that if that we need to focus on sort of the positive mm-hmm. um, opportunities that exist as well. So you've shared the why and the what of student leadership. What suggestions do you have for teachers and leaders to make it happen in our schools? Well, <laughs> I think we have to have courageous and ongoing conversations mm-hmm. about blocking and banning. Um, I have I talked to so many groups. Um, you know, last week I was in Boston and I spoke to an administrator who said, you know, there's just been this, uh, you know, mentality where we have to block and ban and and a lot of some of that comes from parents some of that doesn't um, but we need to talk about you know cell phone distraction we need to talk about the affordances we need to talk about being healthy um, but we need to make sure that there's a balance um I would say follow the kids I've highlighted to get a different perspective of what things could be um because as, if you if you know, um, social media is about who you follow, right? If you're following people who are from whom you're learning or uh, causes that are important to you or people who are positive, people who are smarter than you, um, you're going to get an entirely different experience of social media. And so those are the conversations we need to have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need to start to provide role models for our kids that they may not necessarily get on their own. While you're sharing that, my thinking goes back to um, what you were saying earlier about shifting mindsets. This blocking and banning is a mindset, and it's usually driven by some sort of fear that Mm -hmm. we as adults have. Maybe it's that protection we want for kids, um, but we don't really realize actually how damaging that fear is. And there shouldn't be a fear there, that there's a lot of positive uh, potential and uh, we can work with children to mitigate those risks and to understand how to navigate that most effectively. Um, but it is changing our own mindsets uh, as an adult around that, um, as you say, blocking and banning. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that. Um, One of the things uh, that has really struck me, Henry Jenkins, who wrote a book called Participatory Cultures in a Networked Era. Um, He's a scholar. He studied this for many years. He actually says that we're we're limiting meaningful opportunities for kids out of a panic, moral panic fear of technological and cultural change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely true. Um, Are there things to be feared? Of course there are. But there are things to be feared all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So be prepared for them, be proactive, um, and and don't allow this perceived fear to prevent us from providing these meaningful opportunities for kids. And oftentimes that perceived fear is driven by the adults who don't use the social media in the way that we want, that we're talking about here. So uh, I think that's an interesting perspective as well. Well, you don't know what you don't know, right? right? Yeah. So... So let's move on to your companion website, which I enjoyed uh, poking around with a little bit before our our interview today. Um, It's full of resources that are are aligned to your book. So tell us a little bit about what resources we can find there and how we might interact with you and fellow readers. 
Absolutely. So <laughs> the problem with writing a book is that you have a deadline and you have to publish it. <laughs> and, then, and then your thinking changes and you're like, oh my gosh. So the website really is a place for me to continue my thinking, um, to continue to share up-to-date resources. Um, you know, this conversation is not finite. So to have a book um, saying it's finite, like that's not true. So that's really the purpose of the website. I made sure to include Flipgrid um, videos so people can have conversations with me and I make sure that I listen to them and respond to them if they are using them. I also feel so passionately about my message that I want people to get started. So even if you don't buy the book, I want you to go there and, and find something mm -hmm. um, to, to, you know, to hang on to, to, to engage in these conversations. Um, and and I'm, I really feel that Twitter, the social media hashtag is also a place for sharing thinking. Um, and so it really, that really, that's what it is. It, I don't want this to be a conversation that ends. It needs to be something that we continually talk about because it's ever evolving. So we have a social media advisory council that our coordinator of technology is leading this year. And um, we've brought the group together a couple of times and we're pretty, we're pretty social media heavy district, um, but we don't have our learners supporting and sharing the message. So the purpose of this is to learn more about what we're doing and help our learners um, advocate for us and their work and their learning. Um, and we'll definitely share that companion website with them and some of the resources that you've shared on there and have some conversation and continue the conversation with them because it's been a, a pretty meaningful experience that we're just starting to get off the ground. So we appreciate that and wanted to let you know that it's also going to go towards the hands of learners. That's wonderful. And so you have students on your committee then? It's all students. Uh, myself, myself, Randy, and our coordinator of technology. Um, and we certainly would in invite our high school administrators to be part of that, too, as it's a high school level group. So we're I just we're just kicking <laughs> it off the ground. So um, more to come. Yeah, more to come. Maybe we can add that idea to your companion website somewhere along the line. I would love it. And I, I think what's so significant is we often have these conversations and students are absent from the table. Mm -hmm. And that's just the wrong way to do it, right? Students need to be part of this 100% of the way. Um, you know, it's it's funny in my role as teacher librarian, you know, I'll often say, you know, someone will come in and say, oh, I was thinking of doing this. I really want it to be meaningful for kids. And I'm like, have you asked the kids? Like, <laughs> you know, um, we sat and had a, a co-plan and co-teach. I'll never forget this. The teacher said, I really want them to do like a website, like a, a something that's going to be really meaningful. It's kind of like one of the, stu one of the students in my class is doing that. I'm like, oh, well, can we invite her to the table? She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, when we're co-planning, can we bring her to the tables? You know, she can share. And it was incredible because she was using Tumblr. I know nothing about Tumblr. I know what questions to ask about, you know, like, it, um, you know, copyright questions and those kinds of digital citizenship questions. But I had no idea um, about Tumblr. And when she shared and we saw this website, we're like, it's going to be Tumblr because <laughs> this is incredible. And, and it's funny because the student shared the reason she chose Trump Tumblr was because it was an art artistic website and she wanted to make sure that the original artists got their due credit and that didn't happen in any other social media site. And she showed us who to follow, who she was following. And it was an incredible conversation we would never have had if we had not invited a student to the table. So I think, I, I think sometimes we, we are so concerned with 
we are the teacher at the center. And but but what we need to do is invite um, discourse and conversation. And you know, certainly you're always going to be the teacher. You're always going to be the person with the guiding questions and um, the provocateur. I, I know I've heard that called before, the facilitator, or guide on the side. But you know, when when students feel that they're heard and they really feel like they're part of the process it completely changes what the process looks like. Mm -hmm. And when we go back to the idea of learner agency, it becomes natural for them to become involved in the conversation mm -hmm. like you described. So at, at the core of all this is really giving our learners agency to take control of their own learning, which is what they're gonna have to do when they leave us. Very Absolutely. important, very mm -hmm. important characteristic. So last question for you, Jennifer, as we wrap this up, uh, what are you working on now? What's next for you? Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, you know what? I'm just, I'm really enjoying my role as a teacher librarian. I'm excited about that. I feel privileged to impact students um, and teachers here in, in a way that I felt like I was missing when I was at the district. I didn't have those relationships as much. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited to be in this role and, and to impact the change within my own sphere of influence. That's been really cool. Um, I'm a Google Educator Group leader for Ontario, and that's mm. been really exciting. I get to work with a, a group, a team of seven people, and what we do is we um, we facilitate learning um, in the form of webinars or face-to-face -face meetups in order to support teachers um, to to get involved with technology-enabled learning, specifically around Google, um, Google tools. And so that's been a lot of fun. Our on-ed student chat has been so exciting for me. Um, I love the students on the panel. I love the teacher advisors I'm working with. We are just in April opening it up outside of Ontario. So that's exciting for me, for our students to be able to, to make connections um, to the world. And uh, I'm also collaborating with families fabulous team um, to bring a Digit Institute to Canada. And that's a lot of fun. And that's happening in the fall. I have a lot to keep me busy. <laughs> um, increasingly, I'm, I'm speaking to educators and parent groups about student digital leadership and social media and to see the positive impact from places around the world. Like, you know, it's connected by someone from Saudi Arabia and they're now doing booktube uh, talks and someone from Singapore and, and the blogging that is happening in his class like that has been so rewarding and so humbling um, and such an honor for sure. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So to learn more about Jennifer's work, you can visit uh, some of the links in the show notes, her blog, an interview that Jennifer did, um, and some other news articles. Uh, and don't forget to check out that uh, companion website. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, reflect on how your students are leading with social media and what ideas do you have for improving student digital leadership? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode 35. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And great question. I love that follow-up question. <laughs> Thank you.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.